can barely contain my excitement as we're going down the TV rabbit hole with Jim Sion and Harry Bartosiak. Harry, how long has it been since we've done a broadcast? Damn it, Jim. So long the engine's blown. Let's get going here. We got to get this thing cranked up and get back on the road. Wait, so long the engine's blown? If you leave the car in the driveway, the engine doesn't blow. It just sits there and, you know, might get some cobwebs. But What I have here for you today is something that everybody loves, and that's a top ten list. Would you agree that everybody loves a top ten list? David Letterman, you know, cashed a lot of checks with that. I agree. Right. So we're going to do the top ten jump-the-shark moments in television history, according to one Harry Edward Bartosiak and nobody else. And I'm going to mix in some dead or alive, and uh, we're going to go rapid fire, and it's going to be a wild romp through Jump the Shark history. How about that? Spectacular. Oh, my God. You know, I'm actually I'm getting another Diet Pepsi right now because I'm going to sit back and really enjoy this. <laughs> This program is brought to you by Diet Pepsi. It tastes better than Diet Coke, and that's proven. Two out of two broadcasters agree. Okay. Let's start with number 10. Now, first of all, let me give a brief caveat. I want to say that this is a topic that is going to... Uh, a lot of people have impassioned opinions about it. There could probably be a list of 100 Jump the Shark moments, and there's probably disagreement on what Jump the Shark means. But what Jump the Shark means to me, it's a vernacular term, and this is where it's so beautiful. It just ties into the Pinky Loves Chachi uh Fonzie, uh, not Chachi, but the, the Pinky loves Fonzie loves Pinky episode because uh, the, the, you know we'll get to it. But uh, let's just say Jump the Shark is a moment in time when a TV show has kind of pushed it too far and is now going to have a precipitous decline into cancellation, or is or it ain't what it used to be. Let's well, put it that way. And and I think when they had the website, the website isn't there. It was it was created by a guy named John Hine. I think it was basically yeah. when good TV shows go bad, making reference to Happy Days when when Henry Winkler jumped the shark when they were out in California. Now you just spoiled it. Tell everybody my okay. Never mind. Well, but okay, but that's that's the basis of jump <laughs> the shark. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Let's just get it out of the way because right. it's not a secret. Plus, you spoiled it anyway. Uh, yes, Henry Winkler in season um, seven, I believe it was, of Happy Days. I don't know which season it was. Oh, uh, but it was 1977. Yeah, I think it was seven. Uh, they had him. I guess he in real life he was a good water skier. So they come up with this idea in an episode called Hollywood Part Three, where he would jump over a contained shark on water skis. Yes. Ridiculous. Right. So number ten. I'm going to say it was uh, in 1986 when Patrick Duffy, Bobby, returned to Dallas. If you remember, 1984, they had Patrick Duffy dead, killed off, or died in the shower. He was gone for a yeah. year. Well, he came back, and it was a big controversy because the way they wrote him back into the show was his wife... Uh, Victoria Principal in, on the show had a dream that he died, and that's how they explained it away. Super lame. So uh, it was a big thing, like in People Magazine or whatever. So I wasn't the hugest Dallas fan, but I do remember at the time that things were never quite the same after that. This was already well after Who Shot Jr. Yep. and everything. So the show did go on and even had reincarnations and uh, reboot, but that was considered a time when I was like, are you kidding me? You know, okay. It was all a dream, you know, lame. So that's my number 10. No, that, that's excellent. And, and, and I didn't watch Dallas, but I remember everyone just being so pissed off. They're like, wait yeah. a minute. I watched an entire season <laughs> that meant nothing. So I just basically, I mean, 
No, right. you're exactly right. Good one. Okay, keep going. All right. So the next um, two are kind of linked. This is another way to jump the shark. The next one is Archie Bunker's place. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is when a show continues on after it's gone. Okay. Uh, so I loved All in the Family. It was spectacular, historic. I mean, the characters of Archie Bunker and Edith and the meathead and, you know, just fabulous. But in 1979, Archie Bunker and Gene Stapleton, for a little while, continued with Archie Bunker's place. And I won't get into it, but I'll just say, you know, it you can't go home again. It was time to put it away. I thought it was a very good show in some ways, but it always bothered me because it seemed like a shell of All in the Family. Even though yep. it was good, even though it had a big audience, it was just like kind of a sad thing for me. Like, you didn't need to do this, okay? All right, so enough said except Martin Balsam, Dead or Alive. Oh, God, he's got to be dead. Correct. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Similar category. <laughs> okay. After MASH, 1983. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yes, without right. a doubt. Number seven, 1967. For no damn good reason, they uprooted Fred McMurray and the My Three Sons gang and forced them to move from Bryant Park, nice, perfectly nice house in the Midwest, to California. And they did the rest of the show out in California. Um. Now, you might say, well, I didn't notice. I didn't notice it. No, I didn't notice either. Well, I'm just saying, I don't like that. So I'm going to put them on my list at number seven, Jump the Shark. Because that's about the time that the kids started to get old and gangly. So they had to pull something. I give them a little bit of credit. They didn't pop a baby in there or anything like that. But they moved them to California. Wait a minute. Now, number six. This is another way to jump the shark. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to hesitate here, but uh, it's just as a fact. Uh, one way to jump the shark is to up and die on the show. And that's what happened with Eight Simple Rules or Raising. And my teenage daughter, John Ritter, passed away literally while yes. filming an episode. Uh, it was horrible, very tragic. Um, they tried to bring in, he died. He had like an aneurysm or, a, you know, an aortic burst. And they kind of yep. misdiagnosed it and he maybe could have been saved it was awful what a, what a nice yeah. guy and uh so but anyway they kept on with the show and they brought in like james garner and somebody else and all of a sudden it was more like designing women or something than oh, it was no. eight simple rules terrible yeah. they brought in james gardner and david spade and david spade is barely funny as it is but james yeah. gardner who you and i both love even he couldn't i remember watching it and i'm like oh yeah. jesus this is just terrible you're yeah. exactly right perfect perfect so, perfect analogy now i'm linking in 6a just a quick reference here three's company after chrissy suzanne summers left i felt that was a jump the shark moment for that show yep. too some people say it was after the ropers left but i like you know don Knotts. He, he yeah. carried the mail. He was okay, not great. But for sure when Suzanne Summers left, then it was just a plummet. So, so wait a minute. You're going to go ahead and say Three's <laughs> Company, when they added the talents of like Jenny Lee Harrison and Terry <laughs> Alden or whatever the hell her name was. I always yeah. get her confused with her character. You're, you're telling me that they weren't, I mean, Terry Alden or whatever her name was. She yep. was a comedic genius, according to some website. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not true, and that the only thing that would have been worse is if they replaced Joyce DeWitt with Brenda Vaccaro. <gasps> <laughs> Brenda Vaccaro! <laughs> uh, but anyway, Joyce DeWitt. Okay, yeah, you know poor Joyce. You know, anyway, she was okay. Uh, yeah. Next. Now we're going to yeah. get better, okay? That was like, you know, we're just warming up. Now, Number hey, listen, five. Those were all home runs, so keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> Number five on my list, 1966, and I think you'll agree with this one. Might even say it should be ranked higher. 
Uh, one Jack Burns as Warren Ferguson replaces Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show. That could be a number one for a lot of people, but yes. Yeah. Well, uh, he was only on for 11 episodes, even at the time, not popular. And uh, huh, huh, huh. and uh, so Jack Burns, dead or alive? Um, I think he just died. Correct. You're on top yeah. of this stuff. We're reading the paper. Okay. Yeah. Um, next, related, number four. This is another, this is d- breaking the rule. It's... It's a different show, but again, it was pushing it too far, similar to Archie Bunker's place, Mayberry RFD. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In ill-advised, it had it had an abandoned amusement park feel to it. Sorry, folks, park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. Yes, uh, we're here to see Mr. Roy Wally. What is your name, sir? Clark W. Griswold. Like, you know, you're taking an all-time classic show, and just because we still have rental dibs on the Mayberry set on the on the back 40 of um, Desilu Studios doesn't mean we should do the same show without all the characters except for Aunt B basically so no and uh, I think Uber was in it too wasn't George Lindsay in it yeah right you're wait right wait a minute wasn't Howard was Craig in it too yeah okay so the wait, side so, none of the so main you've got, characters you've got those comedy heavyweights of George Lindsay <laughs> and Jack Dodson oh, yeah. and Ken yeah, Barry, what about, right? what about what about what about how Floyd? He was Howard McNear. Yeah. Well, no, he he no, he was already dead at that point, wasn't he? He well was. Before that. Yeah. They had Emmett. So. Emmett was in there. Oh God, I forgot Emmett. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, although, um, although I yeah. do like that actor because he was an old vaudeville guy. Uh, what was his name? We should know that. Um, and I'll put it in the corrections. Hmm. Uh, I have no idea. But no, you're exactly right. But, but, and you know that was just a cash grab because Andy wanted to leave. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe, And they said, well, Jesus, it's still a top 10 hit. All right, let's bring in Ken Berry and do Mayberry RFD. And it was still, I think it was still a top 10 hit until it got canceled in the Rural Purge. Um, I know it was. and But, but yeah. I didn't, don't, don't you feel, even though we're huge Andy Griffith fans, that it just has some kind of sadness to it? You know? No, you're exactly right. I can't disagree with anything you're saying here. I mean, you really are. Again, everyone's a home run. All right. Well, let's see if I can continue the streak, because now we're getting into Hall of Fame category here. All okay. Right. Number three is not a show, but a show killer. At least that's his reputation. Can you guess the name of the actor that I'm going to say is notorious, uh, that has been associated with killing three, four, maybe even five shows uh, in his Hollywood career, which what? is not necessarily true that he'd killed him, but he's considered, when you put this guy on the show, right. you know you're at death's door. No, I, I think you're 100% true. Great head of hair, handsome guy, Ted McGinley. Ted McGinley, the show killer. Now, here's the thing. He started off on Happy Days, and he was on there four years. You know, he was Chuck. Uh, no, Chuck was the brother. He was a cousin, Mrs. C's cousin. So, I mean, not cousin, but uh, nephew or whatever. But he was on there, and then he went to, um, uh, he was on The Love Boat at the end, on the tail end. Yes, he, he played the photographer for the last couple seasons. Okay, yep. keep going. And then he was on um, Dynasty. Which I never watched that. I don't know what the hell that. Oh yeah. God, I didn't know that. But God, this is great. And then he was on Married with Children, uh, and then yep. actually the show got more popular when he was on there. But it, for whatever reason, Ted and of course I loved him in Revenge of the Nerds, the movie. He was great as kind of that you know the uh, jackass uh, football player. Uh, 
foil to the nerds. But Ted McGinley, super nice guy. And in real life, we've talked about this on the show before, too. Went to USC, was like captain of the water polo team. Really, like, not just the hair, but he had the, this guy had it all on a silver platter. Laughing all the way to the bank. Kept getting these roles. Yep. And the thing I liked the most is I read that he really, he laughs at himself too he laughs along with all of us he's like yeah 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 yeah. he's not like super stuck up or serious he he he's uh what do they call it like uh self-aware about it so yeah yeah he's yeah he's and and i give him so much well first of all good looking guy like that he probably had as many broads as he wanted a lot of girlfriends all this stuff the checks keep rolling in he's on another hit show dynasty married with children happy days for god's sake those shows are still on the air today so good Good for for him. him okay let me take a break and say that this is off the topic, but I feel like putting them on a jump the shark list anyway, and I'm going to say it's the 2017 Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship (laughs) Series. Okay? Well, I know John Kuhn, (laughs) who's going to be listening to this moments after we post it, I know he's going to agree with you. That's when the dead bat syndrome began. Okay. Uh, Number two. Are we ready? We're almost ready for the drum roll. Can you say the Cousin Oliver syndrome? Yes. Uh-huh. The Brady Bunch. At the tail end, last year of the show, they bring on a little little tiny actor, looked like John Denver with glasses. Uh, Robbie Grist was his name, as Cousin Oliver. And uh, the setup was that uh, uh, Carol's sister and brother-in-law, I guess, or brother and sister-in-law, whatever, were off to South Africa on some kind of a uh, archaeological dig, and so Cousin Oliver had to come live with them. But it was really because they... Old, the kids are Brady kids are getting older, gangly looking, and they wanted to infuse some cuteness into the show. Well, only lasted a few episodes. He wasn't, I don't know that he was unpopular, but it didn't work and it was canceled. But uh, later, so this has kind of become, it's kind of a tie, I think, between Fonzie actually jumping the shark and Cousin Oliver. Cousin Oliver is the Exhibit A poster child for the add a kid technique, you know, like Bewitched. Added Adam, baby Adam. It brings absolutely nothing. I think on Home Improvement, I believe they added a kid. You talked about adding a kid on uh, on My Three Sons. My Three Sons, We could go along. There's a long list. I know that. Um, But anyway, uh, Cousin Oliver is considered to be, again, he's the poster child for, you know, the show's in desperate trouble. The ship is sinking. Get a kid in here. Get a damn cute kid in here. And, you know, it didn't work. So... Well, it's either it's either that have a kid or they get married. Yes, like on moonlighting, or and what, that never know, works. I mean, come up against it's never the same. Yeah. No, it never no, works. Never the same. No. And B. Davis, dead or alive. Boy, now that's a good one. Oh boy. Yeah. You know what? We should really make a five dollar <laughs> bet on this one. Um, you know what? I'm going to say alive. All right. Well, that's pretty good. I, I it, it could have gone either way. It's either fifty fit. She's either dead or alive. But right. she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she's so dead. which is she's oh she is yeah damn it i, I think it was like that. 2014 something like she had a good run um okay so we've talked about it we've hinted at it uh and of course there's no doubt about it the number one jump the shark uh occurrence of all time on television was of course as we've yes. said evil knievel the chicago stadium 1977 <laughs> 
right? That was a good one. So, yeah, right. No, <laughs> when he showed, of course, up, when he, sh- he showed up drunk for the rehearsal, crashed yeah. the motorcycle, and he never actually did it. So yes, I just watched it on YouTube. Did you know it's available? Where they show him, he comes across the ramp, he hits yep. the ramp, and immediately goes off to the side, crashes. Like you could tell that. It was like a nothing thing, the jump. He's like, perfect, you know? And then, boom, it was like he purposely drove it off the ramp or something. Like it really I, wasn't that long of a jump. Do you remember? It was like like even, it was no. like half as long as his big ones. No, no. I mean, and he left poor Telly Savalas out there just to, like, uh, like Geraldo Rivera and Al Capone's vault, for God's sakes. We got yep. nothing. Good analogy. Here. Those two, yeah. two broadcasts had that same feel. <laughs> yeah. Great, great analogy. Yeah. So Fonzie jumped the shark. Uh, the show went on uh, for another seven years. And, uh, you know, I, I never even remembered the jump the shark episode, but there could be a million more. Oh, by the way, Marion Ross, dead or alive. She's still alive because she's doing me TV spots. Okay, you're right. She's 92 yeah. years old. And before I finish up here, let me go over my notes because I wanted to tell you that young Robbie Griss, who played Oliver, had quite a bizarre. Uh, portfolio of acting jobs. He not only played Cousin Oliver, which is, you know, historic in and of itself, but I want to say that, remember, they left him out of the revivals. You never see him in a, a very Brady Christmas or another Brady catastrophe or whatever. No, they they, you're right. They've yeah, had about the, four since then. The Brady yeah. Brides, and then it was like yeah. the Brady Kids Brides, and then the, the, uh, the yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly yeah. right. But it might have been because he was busy starring as the character Martin on the show Grady, which was a short-lived spinoff from Sanford and Son. Never no, I it. remember that show, but I don't remember Robbie Risk being <laughs> in it. Yeah, yeah, I remember the open where like Grady is yeah. starting in Watts or wherever it was that Fred Sanford lived. And he get he gets yeah. on a bus, and then all of a sudden it's like a bus, and he like you know says hi to somebody, and they're oh here's another character, you know. But then he gets out in like the suburbs of Los Angeles, and he's living with like his daughter <laughs> yeah. or something. Is yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. that's oh. yeah. Or it could have been that he was busy starring as Ted Baxter's kid on Mary Tyler Moore Show for a time, his adopted son, he and Georgette. Um, no, I do or, remember that now, but I had forgotten. Good for you, man. Good research. Bye, George. You're right. Or you thought I was done, didn't you? No. Uh, he could have been busy starring on three separate episodes of The Bionic Woman. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or yeah. I'm almost right. done. I'm almost done. Take it, take it easy. Okay. Uh, he could have been starring, uh, busy shooting the pilot of Revenge of the Nerds TV version starring as Booger, but that never got off the ground. So instead, what I'm sure he was busy doing the last few years was writing the musical score for the smash television sensation hit Sharknado 1, 2, and 3. Holy cow. Now that is really going down the rabbit hole, man. I had no (laughs) idea. Yeah. This is all available on the internet, so it wasn't that much work. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a passion of mine to do it. So anyway, um, so we we could go on and on. This list, maybe some of these are kind of lame to some people. Maybe you have a million and one others, but uh, 
those are my top 10 jump the shark moments that I can think of. If I was going to do this show next week, I could come up with 10 more that would be pretty good, I'll bet you. And I'm sure you could do You this. know what? Maybe I'll just do 10 next time we do this show. I'll come up with my top 10. Although, there you although go. again, you hit so many homers here, I don't think I could equal what you did today. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, there's a few honorable mentions, uh, but I'm not going to get into Thank those because maybe you we got, will you gotta, do another. you got to leave yeah. a little meat on the bone for me, for God's sake, for the next one. I so. will. But let me give, we'll let me give you a couple of trivia questions here. All right. Because, Sock it all right. to me. When Patrick Duffy left Dallas for that one season, that dream season, uh-huh. what show did he start? Man from Atlantis. Damn, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> one season and then he was gone <laughs> okay it's when he had the webbed hands right yeah the web hand, yeah like web- no, I, that's grossed me out oh, that's I, I no i just remember that i remember even watching the intro and saying i have no interest in watching this show and i never thought you know there are some guys like even ted mcginley you can see him as a leading man you know patrick duffy i never thought was really good looking or charismatic or i just thought he was just kind of an average type you know joe no, but what was that show? I kind of like that show he was on in the nineties. He it was a it was a, like kind of like the eight simple yeah, rules no, for dating. Yeah, I know I know exactly daughter. what it was, and I liked it because she looked so good when she did the show, uh, step by step with her and Suzanne Summers, or him and he and Suzanne Summers. Oh, it was Suzanne Summers? That's right. Yeah. Hey, that was a good show. That's kind yeah, of underrated. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think it was a good show. It was on that Friday night block of like family type comedies, but uh, it was a warm piece of toast. It was well, uh, it was an old shoe. It was not going to make you feel bad when you watched it. It was not going to be horrible. It was not going to be great. You're, it was going to carry the mail and get you through to the next see, half. See, I liked it because that? I thought Suzanne Summers looked really good in that show, and I know I'm going to get in trouble. I'm, I know I have a friend of mine that's Well, she gonna... was working out with that butt master. <laughs> that's right, the that, thigh remember? master. <laughs> yeah, right, the butt yeah. master. No, that was, that was your nickname when you were in college. <laughs> the thigh master was Suzanne Summers. Um, all right, and all right. one more trivia question, and I can't believe that you didn't uh, you didn't come up with this one. Uh, my three sons. Not really a trivia question, but I can't believe you don't think the jump the shark moment was when they went from Bub to Uncle Charlie. Yeah, well, I just think Uncle Charlie, William Demarest, may he rest in peace, was one of the great actors of all time. If you ask me, hey, Steve, when are these kids going to clean up their socks? I'm going to start serving them donuts for dinner. You know, I love that kind of talk out of a butler. Wait, he was no Mr. French. No donuts for dinner? Forgot, like the Entenmann? Yeah. Um, oh, God, I love those yeah. Entenmann's truck tires. <laughs> I could eat those for dinner every night. Nice glass of milk. Oh, those are good. Are those the ones that are powdered donuts with the little nubs all over? No, no, no. Th- those are the ones. And again, my friend uh, who lives up north, uh, she and I love the uh, the, the Entenmann's, the powdered ones. And but the truck tires are the ones I love. They look like truck tires. Are those chocolate ones, the dark chocolate? Yeah. You know those. Yes, I do love those. Yes, very good. This program is brought to you by the fine people at Entenmann's, serving truck tires and powdered donuts to broadcasters like us. <laughs> we, we have a, a rest, or restaurant. We have a grocery store in Florida when I lived in Florida. And about once every two months, they would do buy one, get one free on the Entenmann's. Oh. Was that Pubix? Yeah, Publix. <laughs> Pubix. Publix. Yes, Publix. And I love Publix. But for God's sake, it was the toughest the toughest stretch of the grocery store to go through because you're like, 
buy one, get one free on the chocolate chip wow. cookies and the truck tires and the white donuts <laughs> and the pound cake and the coffee cake. Oh, God. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, good thing they didn't have those kind of deals in Memphis back in the day or Elvis wouldn't have even made it to 1977. And by the way, I told you, I live like two blocks from a Crystal Burger and I went there once about two months or two years ago and I literally, it took me three days to recover from all of the grease. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. And and yeah, they can. But here was the thing: my cousin Chuck and my brother Mark were in town, and it was about two thirty in the morning, and we're like, "Hey, we're hungry." Blah blah blah. And so I said, "Okay, you know what? We were a little tipsy. We were a little out of our mind, which Elvis was most of the time in the seventies." I said, "Okay, if I'm ever going to have Crystal Burger, it should be now." So we eat a bunch of greasy Crystal Burgers, and they're just like White Castle. (laughs) And literally the next day. And I was the first one to say, I don't feel so good. And, and my cousin Chuck's like, oh, no, I don't feel so good either. My brother's like, ah, you guys are wimps, you blah, blah, blah. And then about two hours later, he's like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Well, you know, you did you did it upright then, I yeah. guess, if you're going to do for, it. You first and only that. time at Crystal Burger. First and last, probably, at Crystal Burger. Now, you know, I'm just, Good question. I'm just looking at my notes right now. All of my material is going to be so unspectacular compared to yours. No, it's not. But wait a minute. I wasn't done. You oh, left, you weren't? I, I left out one dead or alive. Unrelated to any show that I talked about, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have it in my notes. All right. Ron Palillo, dead, dead or alive. Oh, he's dead. He died like 10 years ago. Damn it. Okay. I guess, see, I had jumped the shark right there. All right. So, All right. so now uh, we're going to pass over to you. I'll give you this one, and I'll give you a 1,000 to 1 odds on it. I think you're going to get it right. Okay, so we'll do a dollar. No, wait a minute. No, we'll do $1,000. You give me $1,000 if you get it wrong, but I give you $1 if you get it right. How about that? Um, I'm not good at math, but that sounds backwards to me, but uh, I'm well, not paying a damn thing. So. <laughs> All right. Well, well I'm going to do it anyway. Fred All McMurray. Right. Fred McMurray, dead or alive? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> can I get that $1,000? Uh, dead. Yeah, Deader than good. the doornail. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, now here's All my right. stuff. I feel really, I, I feel uh, very inadequate right now. No, um, no, no, this is going to be great. I feel, I feel like the two stepsisters after Cinderella comes down the big staircase. <laughs> um, but the pigeon I, sisters. I, I actually have two shows for you. And again, the benchmark for us is always TV shows that had an impact on us, a major impact. or my, But these both had major impacts on Okay, good, good enough. Okay, the first one. Year 2000, on October 24th to December 19th, eight episodes total. It was the Michael Richards show. Oh, my Lord. I barely remember this. Uh, You're going to have to fill me in. I do remember the existence of it, but I don't remember the show. Tell me about it. Here's the deal. It was two years after Seinfeld had been off the air. NBC wanted to get Michael Richards, who, of course, was Kramer, in a starring vehicle, so they started the Michael Richards show where he was this private detective. And all through the summer, before the fall season, coming this fall, the Michael Richards show, of him like in a trench coat, falling down, and then him like lighting a cigar and his hair catches on fire, or him, you know, trying to hit on a girl and he falls off the (laughs) chair, you know, basically doing Kramer things. And I swear to God, it was just that. It was like a five-second montage, and you're like, oh my God, this is Kramer as a private detective. I mean, was this supposed to be a slapstick comedy or was it supposed to be a little bit serious with, you know, like a Rockford Files kind of thing with a little bit of humor injected? 
Excellent question. Perfect question. And the answer is, I don't know, because they didn't know. <laughs> when they asked Michael Richards to do the show, they were basically, they were thinking, hey, Kramer, we'll do intellectual. So I remember, and I just watched it again, but I still remember the anticipation for this show because, of course, you know, I was working for a local NBC affiliate at the time, so all of us love Seinfeld. And we were so excited. Oh, Kramer's coming back. You know, he's going to do his own show. And so we were all just waiting, waiting, waiting. And literally within the first minute and a half, and you remember how Cheers would always set everything up with one joke that was kind of yeah. almost, yeah. And so that's what they're trying to do with Kramer. And so he's sitting there talking with someone who wants to hire uh, Kramer to find out if his wife is cheating, which, of course, is such yeah. a hilarious premise uh, premise for comedy. They're sitting there at a table, and Michael Richards is smoking a pipe, and they get done with the first 90 seconds. It's like, oh, I'll find out. I'm going to hire this guy. Oh, is he good? Oh, no, he's the best. You don't realize how good he is. But, and they then they cut to the open, and you're like, there wasn't even a punchline in the first 90 seconds. There's... And then they go to the open, which was basically uh, an extension of that promo I talked about, where he's falling down, he falls down a hill, he sits on a park bench, but he misses it, he falls. You know, I mean. Oh, my God. No. I could have written that show. No, uh, yes, that's you could have. Are you just remembering this, or did you go back and watch it? Can no, you find it somewhere? No, I rem no you can find it. Um, but I remember it vividly because so many of my friends and I, I think, I think my buddy Flip might have come over to the house so we could watch it together. Uh, and I know oh. my buddy Jerome Gill back in Florida, uh, who also I think was working for an NBC affiliate at the time. We were so excited, blah, blah, blah. And literally within five minutes, and I'm going to give him five minutes as opposed to the first 90 seconds. Because yeah. the other guys in, in the show were, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll say their names and you tell me whether you like them or not. Uh, William Devane. Yeah, 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 no, it's okay. Yeah, I think he, he plays it. Kennedy a lot. He did. Anyway. Yeah, no, he actually, yeah. I think he won an Emmy for playing Kennedy on one of those shows. Uh, yeah, Tim Meadows, who I just don't think is, I don't know how the hell that guy gets work. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I've never just, seen him do anything funny. Uh, but then they had the great Bill Cobbs, the African American ca character actor. Hmm. You remember? Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. I bet if I saw him, I'd no. be familiar. You, but you know him. No, though. you know him. He's one of those guys. He was the. You remember the movie New Jack City? Yeah, with Mario Peoples. Was it Mario Peoples? I know. Um, what was his name? Uh, Emilio Estevez was in that. And no, it was Emilio Estevez and and um, oh, who plays the bad guy? Uh, the the guy who got in trouble, who played Blade, or, or uh, you know, the good looking guy. Um, oh God, is what? What the yeah. hell are you talking about? No, you know, the, the good-looking black guy, African-American, I don't know what you're supposed to say anymore, um, but he's the guy that right. got in trouble with the taxes and he had to go to jail. Um, oh, yeah, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. He plays the drug dealer, and it's Emilio Estevez, and I forget who the other guy is, and Chris Rock is in it. Great movie, great movie. Directed by Mario Van Peebles. That's what it was, okay. But Bill Cobb's... I just looked it up. Bill Cobbs yeah. plays the guy who's like the, the local neighborhood guy, you know, kind of the grandfather to all the kids. And, of course, um, uh, and I forget his name, uh, uh, um, Wesley Snipes is the drug dealer. And what does he do? He, he becomes a state's witness and he gets off. He, like, gets probation. So he's leaving the courtroom and they had the big circular staircase. And then Bill Cobbs is at the bottom and he calls out the character's name and he says, You're wanted in hell! 
and bam, shoots him. Right, <laughs> yeah, shoots him right through the heart, and the guy falls down the stairs. <laughs> so that's Bill Cobbs. Google. The oh my God. Yeah, Bill Cobbs is one of the great character actors of all time. Um, you know, this is what I love about this show. If I may uh, pat ourselves on the back, mm-hmm. who did I think for a minute when I woke up this morning that I'd be talking about New Jack City today? Anytime before I hit the pillow again tonight? No. And that's a beautiful thing when you you know that that those possibilities exist. So I know. Thanks what? for. And again, it's 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 the key to the show down the rabbit hole. Got it's like Bugs Bunny when he was trying to go through his rabbit hole and get to Albuquerque, and he always took the wrong turn. You know, I mean, but uh, not that we take wrong turns, but there's a you know a lot of ground we cover, which I love. Yeah. So Bill Cobbs. Uh, okay, I looked him up while we were talking, and I, yep. he kind of looked like Bill Cosby in this picture. But anyway, I think I remember him. So he was on the Michael Richards show, but that yep. didn't help. I'm guessing. No, no right? the first scene, the first full scene, is Bill Cobbs, Tim Meadows, William Devane, and some girl, some female actor, um, actress. Uh, although, can you say actress now? Is that considered to be? Is every? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, on so, this program, we can. So we'll just call, we'll just say some cunt, uh, you know, who was no, <laughs> oh. I, I should probably edit that out. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, maybe I I'll just bleep so. it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Jim, you still have some hopes of of uh, uh, you know doing things, believe it or not, even bigger than this show. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm a never has been and a never will be, so That's, I don't care. Say whatever the hell you want, but I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you like <laughs> dead hippies in the ditch. Let's put it that way. Which was a song <laughs> that you wrote, wasn't it? Didn't you write that song back in 1983? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a ballad, but I think if I did it today, we'd make it a fast rocker or something. And you're you're still getting residuals from that, aren't you? Yes, but the check hasn't arrived yet. But I'm told that uh, it's very big in uh, in uh, with the Bolsheviks. So I oh. think that uh, you know, as soon as there's another revolution, we're going to be okay. See, I had heard I had heard that Michael Bublé had covered it, but maybe I had bad information. He might have stolen it from me. So this might be a lawsuit fodder, but we'll get it. Wow, now we're really this. All you're right. going to have to cut all this out because no, it's, that's all right. That's all right. I, I'm sorry I'm very about good at, that. You know, trust me, I'm very good at the editing. I'm very good yeah. at turning one hour and 30 minutes of rambling into 29 minutes of, hey, pretty good, you know. Uh, yeah, sometimes I just talk and I can't shut up. And other times, I, you know, I don't feel like saying anything. You, you, sound, you sound like every girl that I've yeah. dated since 1981. <laughs> All right, so Michael Richard Show, uh, eight seasons or eight episodes. They actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they had a pilot. The pilot was so bad, they actually never aired it. Oh, yeah. well, that's not that unusual. Like the Dick Van Dyke pilot uh, was never aired either, right? So but wasn't for a but good that, show. Wait a minute, though. Pilot. Wasn't that when Carl Reiner was playing the title role? Yes, right. They aired it later, like I think on the internet or something. But right. they they don't they usually don't take the pilot and put it into rotation. Not always, anyway. Well, actually, you know what? We, there's probably some house cleaning we need to do because I can't believe that they said, da, da, the Dick Van Dyke Show starring Carl Reiner. They did that? I didn't no, even remember no, that. They, no, they didn't, but it was originally something <laughs> else before oh. it became, I think it was head of the household or something like that. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so Michael Richards. Yeah. Come on, Jim, let's get back on track. Okay, uh, so. Eight episodes, and eight ep- uh, what? Yeah. How did it make it that long? I mean, you haven't said one thing about this show that isn't possible, even a little bit funny. Uh, no. Except, you know, even all the old Kramer bitch talk about jumping the shark. I mean, you know, that's well, 
No, it was horrible. As a matter of fact, William Devane was interviewed, and these are quotes from him. Say, hey, what do you think about the Michael Richards show? It was a nightmare, completely unfixable. Uh, Michael Richards has a warped sense of uh, he had a warped sense of what the show was supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah. What do you and, mean by that? Well, he just basically said it was terrible, and Michael Richards is kind of a jerk. Which, of course. I think we kind of found out in 2006 when he had that meltdown when he was doing stand-up in that comedy club out in L.A. Yeah, didn't he throw a bunch of, was it like racial stuff? Or yeah, what yeah. He, he lost his mind and he said a bunch of really mean-spirited stuff that kind of revealed maybe part of his true character. Yeah, it was really bad stuff. He used the N-word and there were, you know, it, no, it was terrible. Yeah. The only thing good about that is in 2009, they did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's the Larry David show on HBO. Uh-huh. And, they, and they kind of made fun of that. Um, yeah. And it was actually pretty clever. Of course, you know, most of Larry David's stuff is usually pretty clever. It was in a um, almost a Seinfeld reunion show. They were going to do a reunion, uh, and Jerry's there, and uh, 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 what's her name? Um, one who played Elaine, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, and um, uh, Jason Alexander. Hello, Jerry. Is he there? Wayne Knight? Yeah, no, Wayne Knight was in it, I think. Yeah. Was he? Maybe not. Hello, no, he, Newman. No, he must have been, for God's sake. So anyway, so that's the only good thing about the meltdown. And then since 2009, Michael Richards hasn't really done anything that I can remember. But it was just, to me, one of those shows where there was so much hype. I mean, they ran the promos yeah. all summer, and all of us in the business... And I say business, but, you know, because when you work for an yes. NBC affiliate, you get all the promos early and they're like, oh, this is going to be a big show. And, you know, you want to tie your local newscasts around whatever, oh, because you're going to have a big audience after this show. So you probably want to do this or whatever. So we were all so aware of the Michael Richard show. But within five minutes, everyone's like, this is terrible. And nobody cared. And it just and again, like you say, I'm amazed it made it eight episodes. Right. So. What you're describing to me sounds like uh, the plane never got off the runway. It burst into flames. It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's rising. And it's rising. It's rising. Terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's running. Bursting it didn't even get the chance to hit Hello, Larry altitude, basically, right? Or the Mendoza line or whatever you want to call it. It was below that. Excellent. It's like, okay, you know, uh, Captain Bartosiak, you're on runway 22. <laughs> Begin the roll for take. You know, and there's I'm, nothing that even George Kennedy couldn't save him at that time. Yeah. I was just watching <laughs> airport the other day. I need, the Burt Lancaster, I need runway 29er real bad. <laughs> real uh, bad, Joe. Real bad. <laughs> Don't commit that flight to runway 22. There'll be a change in 29er status any moment now. Roger. Joe, this is Mel. There's no more time. Stop all engines and get out. Repeat. Stop all engines. Mr. Petroni, she won't take much more. Well, anyway, she's gonna get it. Joe, the plows are moving. Shut down and hold on. Joe Petroni, do you need me? At night. Shut down! Mr. Petroni, don't you hear? We have to shut down! I can't hear a thing. There's so much noise. Hold on, we're going for broke. The instruction book said that was impossible. 
There's one nice thing about the 707. You can do everything but read. And, you know, Burt Lancaster in Airport, the original, yeah. which is really a good movie, um, <laughs> he's really not that good of an actor. I hate to say that because it's Burt Lancaster. No, he, he's he's not. You know how we couple people together like Jack Carter and Norm Crosby? Right. I always coupled together Burt Lancaster and Robert Mitchum. Same same kind of roles. And my Uncle Al once made a comment about Robert Mitchum. Can I share it with you real quick? Please. Uh, unless unless it's slanderous. But, but I imagine your Uncle Al's probably been dead for a couple of years. So keep going. Yeah. He passed away in 2004. Uh, God bless him. Uh, so Uncle Al, we're watching TV over at the house uh, in Cicero, Illinois. And um, Robert Mitchum comes on the screen. He says, Robert Mitchum. He thinks his shit don't stink. Oh, I always good. remember that. Yeah. No, so he, and, he, thought, and he came across that way. I remember him being interviewed on yeah. Letterman, and I think your uncle was exactly right. That's exactly how he came off. So I thought, yeah, yeah. I didn't think anything uh, negative against. So I thought, well, how does a guy like Robert Mitchum make an impression like that on Uncle Al, where he says his shit don't stink? I mean, it was like Robert Goulet came on the TV or something. Like oh, that, you know, he, I just saw an episode, <laughs> and I tried to grab the camera, but I was too slow. I just saw an episode of Police Story, and it starred uh, it starred David Grow and Robert Goulet. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's yeah. like early 1970s, and this before uh, Goulet drew, you know, got the Clark Gable mustache. <laughs> so oh yeah, he literally looks just like Elvis: big sideburns, tan, big hair. Yeah. Oh god, I sh I wanted to take cheap that picture. Copy so of me. Cheap imitation. <laughs> Shoot the TV out. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. Uh, you know, obviously Elvis was not a regular watcher of Police Story, otherwise he would have lost <laughs> another TV. <laughs> All right, one more mediocre show. No, not mediocre, yeah. but short-lived show. And I wonder if I should do a name that tune. But it's going to be so obscure, you're probably not going to get it. Oh, I'm uh, I'm feeling it tonight, right. man. Okay. Just, give me a I, chance. I, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to say 1969, and I'm going to say it was a Saturday morning animated show. So I'm really giving you a big hint here. All right? All right. Okay, hold on. I got the tuba here, okay? And I, and again, I really haven't practiced this, but here we go. And just, well, here we go. I I don't think we'll get sued from this one, so here we go. All right. <laughs> That's not ringing a bell. Mm. Uh, I'm just gonna wild ass guess. Uh, New Zoo review. Um, Sherman and Peabody. Um, no. No. All right. All right. I'll okay. give you another. I'll give you another hint. Um, it was. Uh, well, shoot. If I give you a hint, it's gonna give it away. Uh, let's just say this. It was a show. Um, Tennessee tuxedo. No, that's a good one. But uh, but the music I was playing was the music bed. That was generally behind the sequence. I mean, it'd be like an eight-minute cartoon, and they'd be doing their thing, and there was always that kind of playing in the background. And then, oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That's a good one. No, I wish it was Magoo. No, no, no. I'm talking. Road hog. <laughs> God, your Jim Backus is wonderful. <laughs> And I was going to do hand fills for everyone. <laughs> All right, let let me do a, a mediocre impression, and if it's really bad, I'll just edit it out. All but, right. Uh, 
But if, if there were two characters in this, and it was one of those things where they're always, you know, going back and forth, kind of like the Roadburner and Wiley Coyote and Tom and Jerry and all that. So, <laughs> so one of the 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 the, um, the characters, and I don't know what it would be. It would be the antagonist, not the protagonist, I guess. Um, yeah, he would say, "Whoa, I got, I got to get that end." I, I gotta eat that end. What am I gonna do? I gotta eat that. End. He's going in the house. I gotta go this way. And then the other character, who obviously was the end, would be like, "Now listen, Pally, you're not gonna get to me, Daddy O. You stay in there, and I'm over here, cause you're a square." Ah, that's the worst Dean Martin impersonation of all time. Jackie Mason and Dean Martin, I thought, were the two actors that actually voiced the cartoon. Was this Alley Cats? No, not Alley. This was Hair Bear Bunch. This was. This was a cartoon called The Ant and the Aardvark. Mm, oh, my God. I, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have got that in <laughs> no, a million freaking years. It was, I it, have no, I never heard of that. It was part of the Pink Panther, like, comedy hour or whatever. You know, Pink Panther would be one cartoon. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. You talk about, you were way back in the, the trenches of my cerebellum here, whatever the memory part of the Yeah, well, 69, I, 1969, you were four. <laughs> The Pink Panther thing just lit a little fuse there. I yep. remember very vaguely some kind of, yeah, a short. These were shorts, right? Not a whole half-hour show. Oh, no, no, yeah. Like an eight-minute short, then they'd go to commercial, then there'd be a Pink Panther. And then I think they actually had a, an Inspector Clouseau character, too. Um, so that would be like a half-hour show, three of those, and that's it. But it was voiced by uh, a guy who was on the Copycats. Remember John Biner, the comedian, the uh, impressionist? Of course. Yeah, But see, I remember seeing the show, and I loved it because of the music bed. And also, I'm like, oh, these you know characters, they're funny, blah, blah, blah. But then as you get a little bit older, and it, I didn't realize it until uh -huh. I was well into my 20s, John Biner is basically just doing a Jackie Mason impersonation for the, ant, or for the aardvark and a Dean Martin impersonation for the ant. Oh, what's that? Hey, now, that's good food. They don't fool around when they go on a picnic. These are good people. Hey, Ed. Ah, uh, what's the matter? You lost, pal? I want to talk to you for a minute. As a matter of fact, I want to talk to you about your future. You know, you're talking to the wrong guy. I'm semi-retired. You know, it takes 200,000 ants just to make a decent sandwich, and I'm having trouble with just one, and the day's half over. Hey, you know, speaking of the day half over, I gotta get this pie back to my little pad before it spoils. Okay, you ask for it. You try to talk nice to a guy, and he turns his back on you. So here goes. <laughs> Okay, this is Jim, and I apologize for the abrupt ending of this podcast. I've been having uh, some computer issues here over the last couple of weeks, and I actually lost like the last three minutes of the podcast that Harry and I recorded originally. And in the last three minutes, we talked about the music from the Ant in the Yard Frog, which you just heard. All done by Tommy Tedesco and all the guys in the Wrecking Crew, all of those West Coast guys in the late 60s. They were just playing jazz behind uh, the Ant and the Aardvark, and that's the reason I remember that show so well some 50 years later. Corrections-wise, Emmett from the Andy Griffith Show of Emmett's Fix-It Shop. 
with the sign behind him, We Do Not Loan Tools. Remember that? That was uh, Paul Hartman. Good character actor, a really good dancer, and I guess he goes back to vaudeville from, from what I remember. Priscilla Barnes was the actress who played Terry Alden on Three's Company. And the original show, the original pilot for the Dick Van Dyke show, was actually called Head of the Family. And I might have got that right in the podcast. Uh, That's the one that Carl Reiner starred in instead of Dick Van Dyke. All right, that is down the TV rabbit hole. I'm going to go eat like six or seven Entenmann's truck tires right now. God, that sounds so good. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. So long.